0: Hello and welcome back to the lecture series with Red Tea, which we try to do in a bi-weekly basis. This year where we talk a topic per session with some practical lessons. Tonight's topic is how to fulfill visiting the ill. Talking a lot about beaker cholam in different forms and different ways it could manifest nowadays especially. Sources from safaria.org and h.com unless noted otherwise. Look out for the points to carry over, the PTCs to take with you hopefully from the sheer all Shiorim, all of our Shiorim are at shiorenjoyment.com, slash slash reb t Shout out to the wonderfully hard and amazing work of Jake W. and Ellie N. The lecture series, the P-A-L, which is back officially. The audio DT and the OT talk show also officially back. Blaine Nether are on different podcast forums. Feel free to email me at r e b t at shiorenjoyment.com. The shir should serve as a zechus nishmas, all those tragically and terribly taken way too soon from this world at the tragic, tragic Meron incident this past Thursday night on Lagba Omer. The shir should also serve as a refuah shalema, a zechus for refuah shalema, for all those hurt, injured or affected by the tragic Meron incident this past Thursday night on Lagba Omer night as well. This year should further serve as a chus and Yeshua and Raful for anyone sick, anyone needing a Yeshua or Rafu, especially any sickness, any illness, any machla, any condition, or any salvation needed to anyone out there. May everyone be healed and be answered speedily, happily, healthy, soon, completely, bikarov. There are some mitzvos, at least for me, that are particularly difficult. Not just due to the exertion involved, but due to the emotional toll as well. Not just due to how hard it might be to accomplish it, but for how overall it might affect us as well. One of them, at least for me, is that of Biker Cholim. Visiting the sick, the sights, the sounds, the setting, the smell of the hospital or the home. If someone is sick, it may be overwhelming. As well as the sheer amount of people, along with the hustle and bustle and the like. It's easy for me to do many different kind of mitzvahs that may come naturally, personally, such as of nature involved in chesed or the like, like achnas or tzedakah, but for me especially, this mitzvah really can be very hard. The question becomes, how can we go about doing mitzvahs like this that may be difficult for us, or how can we be involved in this mitzvah, especially so that it could become easier? How can we do these mitzvahs, especially during the turbulent times ...that we are living in. So safari.org explains... First off, that in Judaism, a major makor, a major thing, a major Indian is visiting the sick. Beker Holim, it's an important, a fundamental act of loving kindness, a gamilat chasadim, one of the gamilat chasadim that requires one to provide physical or emotional support to someone who isn't feeling well. The question is though on some level, why is there sickness at all? Where did sickness come from to begin with? Who was the first person to quote-unquote be sick? So Queen's Vah.org points out the sources that we're going to see in a second. The Gemara in Baba Metzia 87 says, Until Yaakov Avinu, there was no sickness. And we'll look at the source itself in one second. Yaakov Avinu asked Hashem rachamim, and he became sick. Why? Rashi asked that he... Rashi explains that he asks that a person should become sick before he dies so he can instruct his children. The sources also will see in the 2nd Pirkei Rebilezer in the 52nd Pericles says that from the time of creation until Yaakov's time, no man would become ill prior to his death. Indeed, illness as such didn't exist at all. What would happen? There was no warning of a person's imminent demise. Rather, a man walking on the road or in the marketplace would suddenly sneeze and his soul would exit via his nostrils. Hence, a sneeze was the precursor of death. Yaakov, however, beseeched Hashem for mercy, praying that his soul not depart suddenly from this world, so that he he would have time to get his affairs in order, to instruct his sons before his passing. Hashem granted his request. From then on, people would take ill prior to their death. Fascinating. Therefore, when one sneezes, what do we say? The, they point out that you should say chayim, life. The Medjashilam Dinu says someone should tell the person who sneezed chayim, or labriyut, to health, or gazontide, you should have good health, in general, things like that, because it goes back to all the way back to that time. So the Gemara itself says that Yaakov asked for this prayer of mercy. Yaakov asked to be given this, and where is the source? Because it says, in my Bar Mitzvah parsha, probably my favorite parsha, in the whole Torah, no bias involved. It says that Yaakov said to Yo- it was said to Joseph, "Behold, your your father is sick." Your father is sick. There was no sickness beforehand. He must have felt like, "What does this mean? What do you mean he's sick? Nobody gets sick. What do you mean my dad is sick?" Which is the first time that sickness preceded death is mentioned in the entire Torah. So Yaakov knew he was feeling ill. He called for Yosef. He gave his sons the brachos. He called all of his children. He gave them all their brachot. Very famous brachos and Vayechi. And then it says he expired. He was no more. Where there's a whole discussion in the Talmud. But. Plain shot, he was no more after that. And also a different point, until Elisha one did not fall ill and then heal, as everyone who fell ill would die, Elisha came and prayed for mercy, and he was healed, and so to everyone sick in the whole world should be healed, Bekarov as well. And the Lezer we mentioned from the day when the heavens and earth were created, no man was ill who sneezed and lived, but in every place where he happened to be, whether on the way or in the market, he sneezed, the snow went, the soul went out his nostrils, until our father Yaakov came and prayed and said, Hashem, we have to change this. Don't take me until I could take charge. Don't take me until I could talk to people around. And it came to pass, and he said to Yosef. Interestingly, the Haftorah also connects to the same thing. In Malachim Aleph, at the end of of David Hamalakh's years he's old, he's cold, he's frail, he has his servant trying to um to help him in trying to figure out ways how he could be warmed and how he could be helped. And he's very old and frail. The great, great David Amalekh. And, and, he, and he knows that he's at his deathbed. He also was given the chance to instruct his people. You know, Adonia rises up against him. And Bacheva and Nassim come in to tell him. And he rises to greatness and quells the rebellion with just a few words. He's able to instruct Shlomo. A very interesting living will, if you will. Pun intended. A living will telling him what to do to take care of uh, of uh, of different people who shouldn't shouldn't get away with murder, literal murder. Take care of different people and different things throughout his life. He also became ill, and that's of course the connection between VaYachiv and the Hator Malachim Aleph. But in general, they both got sick. There was the idea of sickness starting with Yaakov Avinu. So it might be that when is when someone is under the weather. When someone is sick, or when someone is not feeling well, it might be a good time to take an overall accounting of their life, to see what's going well or not, to think about the meaning and purpose of life, how we are using our time, what are we doing, what we are doing to help those around us, to help the world in general, and how to be involved in more mitzvahs and in more Torah learning. The Aish Rabbi explains on Esh.com, the Talmud points out to us in Sotah, when Hashem came to Avraham, what had just happened? In in, in Yilchet. Avraham just had the Brit Milah. According to the sources, the commentators, the most painful day of recuperation is the third day after the brisk meal. I don't know why. That's what they say. Different sources explain. But this was the most painful day. And that's the same day that he wanted to have the the guest. We talked about this a lot in the HaChemes' Orchem Shir. But here we're talking about that Hashem Himself comes after the painful surgery of circumcision of the brisk meal at age 99 99, we find that Hashem does many things in the Torah through Malachim, but when it came to visiting the sick, no messenger would suffice. The Talmud explains, just as God visits the sick, so too it is incumbent upon us to imitate God and visit the sick. And that also comes from the Rambam, the Shulchan Aruch, we'll look at a little later. Many Jewish communities have a Big in society, more on that later, which ensures that sick people are visited regularly. And that all their needs are attended to, like food in the house, rights to the doctor, plus cheering up and companionship. Indeed, a person's psychological state in large part determines their recovery and state of health. When a person is sick, they want compassion. They want people to be sensitive to their needs. If you're going to call and tell them, get over it you're going to call and say move on already that's then don't call at all it's not worth calling at all be sensitive to what a people per, a person needs be sensitive to what a person is going through give them your compassion give them your empathy don't tell them to get up and move on and whatever 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 be sensitive help alleviate the discomfort both physical and emotional, whatever type of pain, whatever type of sickness, whatever type of thing it might be. It might be an emotional thing, a physical thing, a mental thing, a life situation thing, whatever it is, you need to be there. Just by being there, being compassionate, being empathetic, much good will be accomplished. You can spare someone from loneliness or be there to listen to them take a burden off of their chest or just chatting with them distracts them from their condition and lifts their spirit. The Talmud explains in Baba Metzia, he who visits a sick person takes away one-sixtieth of their illness. We'll see the source again later, God willing, in person. The idea is that your visit helps reduce, mitigate, or lighten the sick person's suffering. At times, visiting the sick may even be a matter of life and death. By visiting a person who is ill, you are able to advise him. You might be able to advise him about a doctor he should consult or to obtain some medication for him. Part and parcel of this mitzvah is to pray for the sick person's recovery. When one visits the sick, one should pray that Hashem should heal him using the person's Hebrew name and his mother's Hebrew name, along with all the sick people. As the, the Shachanach explains, it may only take the inspiration and heartful prayer of a close friend to tip the scales in favor of a speedy recovery. We should never underestimate the power of prayer. Also very customary to say Psalms 121, to say Tehillim Kuf Chaf Aleph, Tehillim Kuf Chaf Aleph, the Shir Hamalas. According to the Talmud, visits should not be made very early or late in the day, we'll see that also, and one should not stay too long. Can a person fulfill the mitzvah via telephone? Most opinions generally say the phone call only suffices if there is no other option. However, if a person has the chance to pay a live visit, they may not discharge their obligation via telephone, since visiting allows one to help the patient in more practical ways and has an inherent concrete value. As pointed out by Igros Moshe, Yechav but in the age of Corona, I would humbly, humbly suggest for safety and health reasons, maybe a Zoom visit or a FaceTime visit would actually be okay and allow for the mitzvah. Even if one finds the patient asleep, the visitor is still in fulfillment of the mitzvah, as the patient will be informed about the visit after awakening, which will give them encouragement, pointed out by Derach Sicha. Further, Rabbi Feinhandler explains in Avne yashpeh even if the patient is a baby, low alenu, God forbid, and not aware of anything, the parents are aware and certainly benefit tremendously from the support. Thus, the idea of bringing comfort is applicable, even if not directly to the patient. H.com points out from Doctor Yvette Old Miller, visiting the sick, beker cholam in Hebrew, is a fundamental mitzvah. The Torah relates how Hashem Himself visited Avram when he was unwell. Consoling people who are in pain often requires no more than being there for them. It's the smallest gestures that say, I am here for you, that help us connect to others. In fact, the great Talmudic sage, Rabbi Hamam, explained that when God visited Avram, He just inquired of His welfare. This was enough to comfort. The author related how... She thought of recently when she ran ran into an acquaintance that she hadn't seen in some time. They asked, how's your mother doing? And the author asked the other person, how's your mother doing? They were in a very noisy room and the other person misheard the author. My dad is not so good, she shouted, and told me what was going on. There was so much she was concerned about, so much she needed to share. Merely asking how she was gave her a much needed avenue connect. For a moment, they were united, sharing and lighten- lighting the burden. Just ask, how are you? And not how's everything, what's going on, a very blanket, vague statement that never gets a response, especially via text message. But literally, how are you really doing? Tell me, I really know how, want to know how you are really, really doing. Please tell me really how you're doing. The author related how regarding a sick person she knew about people all over the world who had added his name to synagogue's lists of sick members, who had included his name for groups of women to say psalms for. Friends made a commitment to start lighting Shabbat candles, Shabbos candles weekly in his merit. The author relates how they even found that months later a good friend had started learning Torah with other people in their community in merit of his recovery. They were so blown away. That even as they faced their hardest challenge, they found that there could be a catalyst for such good in such different ways. The author author, also relates Dr. Miller from Aish, how one time when they were in need of support for a certain situation, different friends from the synagogue decided to cook them Shabbos dinner. I personally have done this many times, the meal train, the dinner in a pot, the potluck, whatever. Anytime for Shabbos dinner, so simple to do, so easy to do, so helpful to another family. That's a side point. Unpause. The woman delivering it accidentally pulled up to a house a few doors down, was about to hand over the meal when she realized her error. I'm at the wrong house. Apologizing, what would you do if you showed up at um, 96 President Street and instead you're supposed to go to 102 President Street? You got the wrong number. So what this person did was apologize and left a bottle of grape juice instead to wish the neighbors a Shabbat Shalom, The friend then brought the meal to the right place. Later on, when the author spoke with the neighbor who nearly received the meal, she told her how lucky they were. She was new to the neighborhood, was now thinking of joining a synagogue, spurred in part by this vision of a community that came together to help strengthen its members. By the literal sheer hashgacha of delivering the grape juice to the wrong house was actually a catalyst for this person to come closer to the community to want to join into the community. So it was a double whammy. That's because Pirk Elvis teaches us mitzvah, go rarest re mitzvah, sheschar mitzvah, mitzvah. You do a mitzvah, you're going to be a catalyst for another mitzvah. So you're on the way to do Bikr Cholim, you also did Achanaz at the same time. Getting someone to join the community, to become closer to Judaism, become closer to Hashem. What a wonderful thing. Dr. Miller also gives a few suggestions how to connect with others, especially for Bikr Cholim. Let other people take the lead. Often all it takes is asking, how are you doing? Help them open up and share their burden. The first idea is to spend time with people. Even just sitting down with someone, sharing a cup of tea is enough to make people feel less alone in difficult times. Number two, realize you don't have to perform. There is nothing magical you can say To make people's problems go away showing you care is enough to help lighten their load number three realize that little gestures can make a big difference sometimes a person will never forget that cup of cappuccino a friend delivered in the hospital a small thing that had a big impact then the fourth thing is that you don't need to do it alone when comforting people get your community to help you even if it means organizing prayers torah learning Or a communal meal giving others the chance to help means you can be that much more supportive of people in need. H.com points out with author Ria Bachner that our sages teach that one of the deeds for which we receive rewards in both this world and the world to come, we'll see God willing in a little bit, is Baker Holland visiting the sick, because by doing so, we remove one-sixtieth of the person's illness, whatever that means. Though visiting a sick person does not guarantee a cure for their illness, the visit itself is a balm for the one in pain. Even just for the duration of the visit, they are relieved to some degree from knowing that someone cares enough to come and see them. It didn't matter if she was popular and I wasn't, or if she was my friend and I really hated her, or the opposite, or if we were officially friends or not. By neglecting to reach out, if you don't visit, you may miss a much larger opportunity than you may even realize. Don't miss out. Don't hold old grudges. That schnook cheated me out of business 20 years ago. I don't care if he's lying in the hospital. No, you should care. Because you could be missing out a much larger opportunity then you even realize, you know, the, the, ta- the Torah talks about in Shemot and in Devarim how if you have a donkey, your friend's donkey or your enemy's donkey, who do you have to help first? The enemy. So if your friend is lying in the hospital, we should never know from such things. Or your enemy, quote unquote enemy, we shouldn't even have enemies. We should really have people we have like a little less, which is a phrase from my dad. But you have an enemy lying in the hospital, God forbid, and a friend lying in the hospital, God forbid. Who do you think you should visit first? If the Torah tells us that you have two people with a load on the way, and you have to help the enemy first, if your friend and your enemy are lying in the hospital, you should visit the enemy first. Because the Torah teaches us to go against our nature, to go against our inborn traits, to work on ourselves. What better way to work on ourselves than to go visit the person that's much more painful for you to visit. And by doing so, it'll be a kapara. You can repair the relationship, you can repair yourself. You could be metakin yourself by visiting the person you would ordinarily never have wanted to visit. One of the most amazing organizations is that of Satmar Biker Cholen, who has well-stocked rooms in different hospitals, especially in North Shore and Long Island, where we had our kids. When our kids were born, I went to visit the room. I remember being blown away by the sheer magnitude of what the modest-sized room actually held. The room not only had prepared food, ready to heat up meals in the fridge, and really, really good food, by the way. Not like schmachy, sloppy food. It was delicious schmaltzy, geschmackish soup. Really good-tasting soup. And, and very delicious chicken and kugel. Really delicious. But besides for the ready-to-heat-up meals in the fridge, it had non-perishable food items, too, like cereal and snacks. It had books to read. It had svarim. It had a couch, if I remember correctly, a really, really comfortable-looking chair. It had a coffee machine, a microwave, sidorum, a and fill and much, much more. The thought and care that go into that room and went into that room to think of everything someone might need in a very difficult time in the hospital literally warmed my heart then. And just thinking about it now warms my heart now. But where did this organization come from? Where did these ideas come from to have such a wonderful concept? Wikipedia even explains Satmer Biker Holm, also known as Biker de Satmer, or Ladies Bikr de Satmer, is a New York-based nonprofit organization which aids Jewish people in New York hospitals. According to the website, they deliver 2,000 meals to hospital patients every week. Who was it founded by? In 1956 by the wife of Rabbi Yoel Teitelbaum of Satmer, Rebetzin Feige Teitelbaum, together with Gittel Kahn in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Food was repa- prepared in Khan's kitchen, delivered to the hospital's Jews in the air, area. The organization has gained a reputation of helping all Jews, regardless of background or affiliation, which is a real Mila, a real level we should all live up to. If this person who started an organization out of, the, out of the goodness of her heart would help any Jew on earth, how could we not do what we can to help any Jew on earth? and literally to help people in general on earth, regardless of background, regardless of orientation, regardless of affiliation, help all people. The organization currently runs Beaker hollem Rooms, rooms in hospitals that supply kosher food, including Chav milk to patients, thing didn't mention that was in the fridge, of course, and owns apartments located near hospitals for family members of patients to stay in. They also shuttle volunteers, visitors, and patients on a private bus line between Williamsburg and hospitals throughout New York City. Fascinating. H.com points out, explained by author Adam Ross, how, Ross, how people visited those sick with corona this past September, this past fall. There were people who visited in Hadassah Hospital in Israel in this past September. Volunteers who recovered from corona themselves, who brought gifts, Rab food or candy, to fill in, late tefillin, and more to patients with corona. Yad Avraham put out the call to volunteers to step forward, and within days, a small team was formed. A team which grew to numbers over 30 people. Working in two shifts the whole week long, they ensured the ward always had visitors. To go in the height of a pandemic, when there's so much uncertainty, there's so much death, there's so much danger, and so much pikuach nefesh, literally putting themselves on the line just to do this beautiful mitzvah, how could we not on some level try on some small level in a safe, healthy way to also be involved in the mitzvah? These volunteers entered the rooms with full personal protective suits and spent time with the patients throughout the day, attending to a variety of their needs. Some patients were too weak to eat on their own and needed help. There were also elderly patients who couldn't operate a phone call to family members, and some were just too weak to do so. One volunteer used a mobile phone to dial video calls using Skype for patients to see and speak to friends and relatives. For patients who wanted to pray but were too weak, volunteers helped them put on in. On Erev Rosh Hashanah, the volunteers geared up to ensure that patients in Hadassah's four Corona wards had everything they needed for the holiday. Apples and honey. Someone her a and to hear the chauffeur. A volunteer explained that it was complicated because volunteers weren't able to remove face masks in the wards, but they were able to leave the doors to the wards open while the chauffeur was blown outside. What a fascinating way to help visit people even in crazy, turbulent times. What an inspiration to all of us to do what we can for those sick on our own small level. Shabbat.org explains from author Ruvanna Grodinsky how there's also the idea for New Jersey hospitals of the concept of Shabbat in a box. For Jewish patients in Essex and Morris counties in northern New Jersey, observing Shabbat, Shabbos in the hospital has become much easier thanks to a little thinking outside the box, quite literally, or perhaps inside the box, in it as part of this program called Shabbat in a Box. The boxes include battery-operated Shabbos candles, a kiddush cup, grape juice, fresh challah, kosher snacks, information about Shabbos, and a note card colored by children in the community, and they have been distributed to some 3,000 patients in the past two years. This is already an article that's a little bit older, months or a year or two ago, so definitely more than 3,000 at this point. The boxes, which are packed by young adults involved in Friendship Circle, a wonderful organization I was privileged to somewhat be involved in years ago, dealing with members who have special needs, have also become a popular mitzvah project at birthday parties, bar bar mitzvah celebrations, and sisterhood events. A member of the organization explains that through the packing, people teach their kids about bigger Cholim, visiting the sick, and about Shabbat, about Shabbos. It's a wonderful tool to teach about chesed, kindness to others. What can we do on some small level? What can we do to help on some small level? How can we go about giving to those who are sick, to those who need some help? This idea of other ideas, what can we do to be involved in fulfilling visiting those who are ill? We can think also about the idea of the wonderful Make-A-Wish Foundation, explained by Wikipedia that it is a, f- a non-profit organization, 501c3, founded in the United States that helps fulfill the wishes of children with a critical illness Between the ages of two and a half or three and 18 years old. Make a Wish was founded and is headquartered in Phoenix, Arizona. The organization operates through its 59 chapters located throughout the United States and abroad. We'll look in a second. Make a Wish also operates in nearly 50 other countries around the world through 39 international affiliates. We're going to look at that literally in a minute. In the spring of 1980, seven year old Christopher James Griaches. I'm not sure how to say his name, Griasius or Griasius, he was only seven years old, was being treated for leukemia. He aspired to be a police officer. U.S. Customs Officer Tommy Austin befriended Chris and worked with Frank Schenkwitz and officers at the Arizona Department of Public Safety to plan an experience to lift Griasius' spirits. Chris, this little seven-year-old boy, spent the day as a police officer, rode in a police helicopter, received a custom-tailored police uniform, and was sworn in as the first honorary public safety patrol man, or patrol boy, in state history. Grecius unfortunately, tragically died soon after, but his wish became the inspiration for the Make-A-Wish organization. They even have a movie based on it also. I think it's called Wish Man or something like that. There's a branch in Israel also called Make-A-Wish Israel, where they explain, Come join us in the fulfillment of wishes for children with critical illnesses between the ages of 3 to 18 to transform tears and fear into laughter and joy. Together we can give these children their innocence and childhood back. The organization make a the Israeli website, explains... Make a Wish Israel is part of an international organization founded in the United States in 1980, which aims to fulfill these wishes of children between the ages of three and 18, fighting a critical illness. Denise and Avi are the founders. Established together, Israel, the Israeli branch of Make a Wish, in 1996, in memory of David Spiro, her brother. Their common goal was to fulfill for children suffering from life-threatening diseases life-changing wishes. They have been operating since 96 and has fulfilled over 4,000 transformational wishes to children. In fulfilling the child's one true wish, Make-A-Wish strives to provide a powerful and life-changing experience, an experience that gives hope, strength, and joy during the most difficult period of their young lives. In many places around the world, doctors treat wish fulfillment as an integral part of the child's care. How unbelievable... How inspiring. On some small level, we too can fulfill the wishes of the sick. Maybe they want their sitter from home. Maybe they would love to use their tzvileron or talis that they might have forgot to bring to the hospital. Maybe they need their phone or that really good book they have on their night table. A little while ago, a couple we know had to rush their baby to the hospital but they lacked snacks or drink with them for the unseeable future amount of time. So we quickly made a bag, we sent over the snacks and goodies to the hospital for them via a family member, and that was able to help them, console them, and comfort them on a tiny level. You too can help someone who is sick or dealing with a situation on any small level. The possibilities are really endless. H points out with author Amuna Braverman, when the Blush of a Rav was ill, one of his students wanted to come see him. I want to do the mitzvah of visiting the sick," said the young man. The Blush of a Rav was not moved by this request. I do not want to be the object for your mitzvah," he replied. This is paraphrasing. Only come see me if you really want to come see me. We do have an obligation to visit the sick. It doesn't depend on our mood. Yet, if we do the mitzvah to satisfy ourselves, our needs, we will inevitably not do it right. Like all commandments of chesed, kindness, visiting the sick needs to be done with sensitivity and thoughtfulness. It is not about acquiring brownie points in heaven. It's not about how it will make me feel, what it can do for me. God forbid, it's all about taking care of an ill friend, taking care of an ill person. It's about doing the kindness for another human being. It's about trying to figure out what they need, what would be helpful to them. That's why we have guidelines. That's why Jewish law governs these matters. Because we get confused, even in the midst of trying to do what's right. Let's say you have a friend in the hospital, God forbid, law You rush into your car as soon as you hear the surgery is successful so you can be there to greet her in the recovery room. Pause. Stop. Are you sure that's what she wants? She'll be tired. She'll probably look terrible, probably feel terrible. She may want to be alone. When you come, if you come, she may feel the obligation to entertain you. She may feel embarrassed by her condition. She may feel physically wretched. That's why we visit the sick when they want us to come and not when we want to go. We should inquire ahead of time and not go unless requested. And this could be for any situation, for anything. A lot of times people have a baby in the hospital and people want to rush. The family wants to rush over. But stop. Pause. What does the mom want? What does the mother want? What does the father want? Do they want people running over the second they have a child? They're physically exhausted. It's an emotionally beautiful experience, but it could be overwhelming. They want time to get used to the kid themselves. Most times, a lot of people don't even list themselves in the hospital. So they don't even want people visiting them non-corona times because they just want to be with the child. When they come home and everything's calm and they give you the guidelines of how to come, when to come, then you can, but remember to stop. Pause. Think about what the person wants, not what you want. Realize we need to uh, adhere to the suggestions and the needs and the wants of the person in the hospital, the sick person. Also adhere to the suggested visiting hours, not convince ourselves that we are exceptions to the rule. Our visit is meant to give life to the ill person. If we go when we are not wanted, perhaps... When they are tired or in need of rest or they don't want us yet, we may, God forbid, have the opposite effect. Since our visit is about the needs of the ailing person, we need to try to attend to those needs. Is there the kind of food they like in the hospital? Can we stop by on the way and pick something up? Are they recovering at home but unable to cook? Can we bring by dinner? Can we do some grocery shopping for them? What do they need most If someone is going through a situation and you say, let me know anything you need, the person is not going to let you know. That's a very blanket statement. That's a very vague statement. That's a very general statement. Instead, say, I really want to help you. Please think of exactly what I could do to help, exactly what you need. Let me know. I will take care of it as soon as possible. Do you have finances? Do you have money? Do you have meals? Do you have clothing? Do you have toys? Do you have books? Be specific. Tell them, ask them do you have X, Y, and Z? And how can you help? Do you have a meal train set up? Do you have, you know, help helping you out the first weeks? Is your husband going to take off? Are you going to have the help? Whatever. Figure out what you can do to help. Don't be general. Anything you need, let me know. And I'm guilty of saying that many times over the years, but I've learned you can't say that. You have to be specific. What exactly can I do to help you to make your transition, to make your life a little bit easier? Please let me know anything, anything trivial, even small, that I could do, and I'll do so. I'm going to check in with you again in a few days, hoping that you could let me know exactly what I can do to help you. While most of us feel we are good and caring friends and we step into the breach when needed, we must still be careful and make sure it is really the need of the sick person or the recuperating person whatever person's in the hospital or in a different condition, that is being gratified and not our own desire to feel needed and useful. In addition, while it's easy to visit friends, there are those without family or community who are in even greater need of kindness. If we can push ourselves to visit a person who has no one else to take care of him, we have done a particularly important mitzvah. Visiting six strangers is not for everyone, but it's probably not as hard as we think and a lot more welcome. We can help on any small level. We have the power to bring some small type of refuel with us. We hold the key, even in crazy times, in creative ways to help. Ash.com points out from author Shimon Rosenberg the excitement began early Friday morning, and as the day progressed, the author started thinking about Shabbat. What would they eat? How would they recite Kiddush? How would they light candles? The author remembered hearing about an organization called Bikur Cholim, which means visiting the sick. It's a volunteer-driven charity that looks after the needs of people in the hospital. He called them. Within a couple of hours, someone came to their hospital room with literally bags of food, grape juice for kiddush, electric candles to serve as Shabbat candles. I'm not a posik, I'm not a ruff, but there's an Indian of having electric candles in the hospital for a safety reason. Whatever, consult your LOR, local Orthodox Rabbi, and even spices for havdalah was brought as well. The food is free, and the person delivering it is a volunteer. In the few moments in the in, a, in the few moments he had to speak with the volunteer, he learned that the volunteer was just a regular guy, an accountant who takes off Fridays from work. Amazing, unbelievable, to volunteer for Beaker Cholm. What a beautiful thing to do with a Friday, especially Friday when when it's the hectic, the, the hectic needs of getting ready for Shabbos. He says, you know, I'm going to step aside from making my Shabbos. How can I help people Shabbos in the hospital?" Beautiful. The author asked him why he does it, why he volunteers for Bikr Cholom. And he said, simply, it's what God wants of us. Such a beautiful thing. Such a simple thing, but a helpful thing to do. Simple for him, hard for us, but really a wonderful thing. When our own sons had surgery for their tonsils and adenoids this past summer at LIJ Children's Hospital in Long Island, I think of two particular instances personally, besides for the fact that there was a beautiful, big hall and room in the hospital. One was a family care worker who helped play with each of the boys and explain what was going to happen in the beginning of the process, including one of the coolest things that I remember, putting a fake IV called a life care worker, she put a fake IV into a toy Spider-Man to show by play, which was brilliant in my opinion, what was going to happen so that the older son would not be scared, would realize, oh, Spider-Man's having an IV. I'm going to have one too. Look, this is what's going to happen. Always through play. We talk about this in OT all the time occupational therapy, anything we could do, learning through play. So that's exactly what was done for him, putting a fake IV into the toy. What a brilliant way of going about it. And who gave toys and coloring books to our kids also for after the surgery, thinking ahead, how can I occupy their time to help you guys recuperate? Me and my wife and the two boys who were there for the surgery, how can I help, they were thinking, your children? The other instance was when college... Volunteers came to cheer up, play and paint with one of my sons, the one I was staying with at the moment, the younger one, which totally lit up his day. They brought like a pumpkin and painting supplies, and they were painting the pumpkin. Adorable. They even got him to drink, which he would not do before that point. Very stubborn. But when they made it into a game, not being the parent, being a visitor, he started drinking and eating, actually. Wonderful, wonderful way. Beker Cholim can be done in so many ways volunteer, play music for children who are sick, paint with those who are sick, play games with those who are sick. I remember us also talking to a High Lifeline volunteer on another occasion when our middle son had surgery at one month old for pyloric stenosis, when a volunteer came just to talk to us, literally to see how we're doing, how we're handling, what they could do to help, and also brought along a Danish for us as well, which was a really thoughtful thing and a really Wonderful thing! It might have seemed like a small gesture on her part. I'll just pick up a Danish on my way, but really, was like thoughtful. Oh, you're bringing us something to eat. We didn't even pack so many snacks. We didn't even know this was going to happen. Nice small gestures. These are not, you know, people Gedolei Hador from four hundred years ago. These are regular people like me and you who find inventive, creative ways how to help people in difficult situations. You think of the organization like High Lifeline. Who does wonderful work to help the sick. Again, anytime I mention organizations, I don't get a cut, I don't get a percentage, I just think it's wonderful work these organizations do, and it's beautiful for us to think about these wonderful Jewish organizations out there that we could highlight and think about from time to time depending on different topics. Their own organization explains on their website, Highlifeline.org, that there's a full range of bigger home services, probably one of the largest in the region. They want to meet emotional needs and social needs and financial needs of families who have serious pediatric illness or loss, right from diagnosis or trauma. They come and help with professionals compassionate to try to help restore equilibrium and joy, and bring bring wonderfulness to to people that might have difficulty with illness or crisis. They have a health support network. Network. They have social, emotional, financial assistance to children with life-threatening illnesses and they 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 help year-round they want to bring joy and hope to children families and communities impacted by serious illness or loss They want to make sure that seriously ill children need and deserve as happy and normal a childhood as possible They understand that illness affects every member of the family We should not grow from such things. They understand that the well-being of an ill child is impacted by the well-being of the family. They understand that pediatric illness can have a devastating financial effect on families. They want to find ways to bring joy to the lives of young patients and families through creative, innovative, and effective family-centered programs, activities, and services. They want to engender hope and optimism in children, families, and communities. They want to educate and involve communities in caring for ill children and their families. They want to provide unparalleled support throughout the illness, recovery, and beyond. Everyone should be zolchatev or le'mabekor of all these children and everyone in the world. And they want to offer services free of charge so that every family has access to the programs and needs, and to make sure that there's compassion, kindness, and caring for others inherent in Jewish culture and life. I remember myself many years ago. Four school and seven years ago, many, many years ago, going to visit children who were sick or recuperating in a pediatric ward of a hospital with my guitar and with others when I was in college. I think it might have been on one Purim. It might have been through High Lifeline or Simcha Spot or something like that. Not Simcha Spot, something related to that. I remember going around with different college kids playing some simple Jewish songs for the patients, for the kids, and how their faces literally lit up. Brightening their entire day. I also remember another time my wife and I going with some kids from the school, when we were youth um uh, when we were youth group leaders, youth directors for a little while when we were first married in an apartment in one of the boroughs. And we also went to like a nursing home with some of the kids and again I brought my guitar and literally the faces of the of the members of the nursing home, ill or not, their faces literally lit up. It brightened their entire day. You know, I'm no uh, Shlomo Katz or Schweke or whatever, but Baruch Hashem, I can play guitar and I can play songs, playing a long time. That is a thing we could do. We could take whatever talent, whatever ability, whatever creativity. You know, if you could read stories, you're really good at reading stories, then read stories for kids. Kids eat up this stuff. Kids love this stuff. I remember reading a story. It was a made-up story in... Um, in one of these wonderful jewish novels that my wife and i love to read on shabbos how talking about someone who was in the hospital for his own reasons and he would go to the pediatric ward he would play piano especially for this very very sick child and it was literally the highlight of her day and his day he took his talent for piano and used it another person went and literally would read stories bringing stories to life bringing the characters to life and the the faces of these kids it ate up this wonderful thing do whatever you can whatever talent you have you know non corona times in general, safe, healthy ways, maybe they'd even let you zoom in nowadays, do a magic show you know there's a, there's a whole organization dedicated to training Jewish clowns. They go to different wards, also helping people like the movie Lahabdo Patch Adams, where laughter and magic and being a clown was part of the of the, the recuperation. They gave him a very hard time in real life and in the story, but really it's a wonderful, holistic aspect how to help. Be a magician for kids, be a clown for kids, you know, play games with kids, play music, read to them, you know, sing for them. All amazing things to do for people, and not just kids, adults too, love this kind of stuff, playing games with them, getting them involved. But especially music, especially music can do wonders for people. Such is the power of music, which is sneak peek, God willing, Bli neder Meritza Shambli the next topic, Bli neder we aim to tackle coming up in two or so weeks, depending on how we'll do it around Shavuos. But in general, people can really use their creative talents or abilities to help cheer up those who are down or sick. Use your abilities, use your talents, even nowadays through Zoom or FaceTime, even in crazy times, use what you can to brighten those around you. If you can narrate a story for kids wonderfully, why not read to those children sick in the hospital? If you're a magician or a clown, especially through that leave, whatever organization, wonderful, wonderful thing, Why not brighten up their day? If you can play music for them, do so. On a small way, if your friend forgot her favorite book, why not bring it to her in the hospital? That'll cheer up her day. It'll be a little piece of home with her in the hospital. If she wants her favorite mug and coffee mix, why not take it with you? Bring a slice of home to her hospital room. We should endeavor to involve ourselves to try to do whatever we can to help others. And this way, maybe we could bring healing to all those sick around us. You know, there's so many interesting sources about about many of the topics we talk about, especially Bikr Cholam. The Gemara talks about it in many, many places. You know, Nadarim points out on 40a, if you enter the sick to visit the sick person, don't sit on their bed. Don't sit on a bench or a chair that's higher than theirs. Try to have a little bit of sensitivity. Try to have a little empathy. Wrap yourself in your garments. Sit on the ground. The divine presence is resting above them. Don't be like you're lording over them. You're standing over them, and it's intimidating to them because you're well and they're not. Think about how it is appropriate to sit at their level or lower. The Dharm also points out about a dot or so later, a page or so later. Don't visit those with intestinal illnesses or those with eye illnesses, the Gamar points out, or those suffering from headaches. Why? Because especially the person is embarrassed. If he has a stomach condition, it's very embarrassing. Think about the conditions they have. Think about why they're in the hospital. You know, if someone's in the hospital because low Eleno, their child is sick or They're having difficulty with the birth. Don't bring your seven kids and rub it in their face that your kids are all healthy. That's not, first of all, it's not nice. Second of all, it's not empathetic. Third of all, it's not sensitive to what's going on. It's rubbing it in their face. You know, if someone is is low-alien or at the end of life, they have no spouse, it might not be the most appropriate, it might not be the most sensitive to go with your spouse, your best friend, rubbing it in their face. Maybe go alone to visit. Think about the situation involved. The Gemara also points out in Shabbat twelve. When you visit the person on Shabbos, don't address them in the customary manner. You know, talk about how Shabbos is a time of healing, that hopefully healing will come soon, not giving false hope, but being realistic. And remember that Shabbos is capable of giving compassion and that Hashem should have compassion upon you and the sick person of Israel. That's the point to carry over, is that you should make sure to visit a person when and how it is convenient for him or her, in a manner that they feel safe, in a manner they feel comfortable with, whether accounting for their pain and needs. If they low Elena are in, are in the hospital and they're sick don't load it over them that that you don't like to wear a mask and you're breathing in their face they don't want that they don't need that be a little sensitive be a little caring to their situation. The Gamar Giton points out don't protest against the Gentiles who come to take gleanings like Shechacha, luck and like in the corner of the field. We want to do things that are doing the darche shalom. Darche darche shalom. We talk about in davening on Shabbos the ways of the Torah, the ways of Judaism, were ways of peace. They also taught in the Sosefta in Gittin: one sustains poor Gentiles along with poor Jews, and one visits sick Gentiles along with sick Jews, and one buries dead Gentiles along with dead Jews for the ways of peace, not just visiting your one friend. Because he's your friend, but visiting other people, your enemy, quote-unquote, to also anyone that's there lying around, visit them. It'll brighten their whole day. The Gemara also points out over there in Shabbos, where is it derived that Hashem cares for and aids the sick person? Because it says in Tehillim, Hashem will support him on a bed of illness. The Gemara points out above in that when one who is a contemporary of an ill person visits him, that is when he takes one-sixtieth of his illness. That's the Gemara, the source about 160th from Baba Metziah. The contemporary of an ill person visits him, he takes away 160th of his illness, and, the, and the, a source in a few minutes will explain what do we really mean by a 60th. The Shulchan Aruch points out, you know, it's a religious duty to visit the sick, that the relatives and friends could come at once, strangers should wait a few days. If it takes him, then a prominent person must visit a humble one even many times a day, even if it's a different, you know, social level, quote-unquote, even though there shouldn't be such a thing. And some say an enemy may visit a sick person, like we talked about. When you pray for him, pray in a language that one desires. Pray in Hebrew, if you can, you know, and talk about how Hashem should heal them, Hashem should take care of them. Whatever different illnesses they have, try to be sensitive to what it is, if it's going to make them embarrassed or not. Also visit the sick of the Gentiles in the interest of peace. And that's another point to remember. Visit all sick people, not just friends, not just Jews, as you can help alleviate pain on some small level. The government in the Dharm earlier on 39 explains, The Mitzvah visiting the ill has no fixed measure. What does that mean? There's no fixed measure for the granting of reward, and there's no fixed measure in general. It's not like, ah, I visited John Doe. Uh, yesterday, saw him, I'm yotzei machiya forever. I never have to visit him again. No, there's no measure. You could go five times in a day if he wants you to want. come. The five times, be meticulous in it, but don't think yeah, I'm I, I fulfilled my obligation. The forty points out Hashem Himself sustains the sick person. As Taelon points out, Hashem will support him on the bed of suffering, and Hashem is resting above it because it also says that Hashem is supporting him. The points out in forty that Rav Chalbo fell ill. There was no one that came to visit him. Rav Kahana said, you know, Rav Kahana, Rabbi Akiva got sick and they didn't uh, and, and, and enter to visit him. And he instructed them to come. Since they swept and sprinkled water on the dirt, he recovered. So they said to me you revive me. That's pointing out how important it is for people to have visitors. But Rava said that when he was ill on the first day, he would say, don't tell anyone I'm ill. I don't want them to visit me yet for certain reasons. Give it a few days. Also, the importance of timing. And the Rambam points out in Mishnah Torah, in Hilchos Velas, it's a rabbinic positive precept to visit the sick, to assist them in whatever they need. You gotta take care of them. And the visiting the sick applies to everybody, even an eminent person might visit one of minor importance. The visit should be made several times a day. The more often one visits the sick, the more praise he deserves, provided he doesn't weary the patient. It's as if he took away a part of his illness and lightened his pain. Whoever does not visit the sick is almost almost guilty of bloodshed, God forbid. And it's important to realize what day to come. Some say the third day and on. If someone gets worse, you'll be visited immediately. And Gemara Nadarm 41 also points out what is the reason not to visit someone with that intestinal illness because he is going to the bathroom a lot. You have to take care and take note how Judaism is very sensitive and very attuned to the needs of others. And it would be super embarrassing, super malbushas ponem, barab, and you're supposed to die as opposed to doing that. the points out from Yehuda and Tamar and from Mar-Ukv and his wife, they would jump in the fire rather than embarrass somebody. You don't want to embarrass someone. You have to understand what it could be like for the person. And that's another point. Visiting the ill has no fixed measure. But make sure to come when you are wanted. And it's a good time to visit the ill as per their needs and wants and help in any way you can. Gomorrah Soto points out, how is it possible for a person to follow the Divine Presence, Rebbe Chama points out? Isn't it said that your Lord, Hashem, is like an ish, like a devouring fire? Rather, it means we follow the attributes of the Holy One. Just as Hashem clothed those who didn't have clothing, we should also give clothing to those who don't have. Just as Hashem visited the sick by Avram, so too we need to visit the sick. And that's another point. We need to endeavor to be like Hashem as much as possible taking care of the sick as he takes care of us, even in our turbulent times. Abbas Rebbe Nelson says, someone who visits the sick brings good to the world. Who doesn't want to bring good to the world? Maybe, maybe after the terrible tragedies recently and in general, maybe, maybe Mashiach could finally come. The more good we do, the more mitzvahs we do. The Gemara Shabbos points out, 127, the six matters a person enjoys the profits in this world and the principle exists from the world to come. Like we mentioned earlier, one of them, of course, is visiting the sick. The points out in Baba Metzia 86, Hashem came to Avram in the heat of the day. The third day after Avram's circumcision, when he was in a lot of pain, he came to inquire about the well-being of Avram, just to talk to him, just to visit him, even though he made it extremely hot that day. Gomar Avram points out, When Cheskia took ill, the great king Cheskia, one of the great, great kings, even though there are many bad kings throughout the Homolach and Bet period, very depressing, say for a lot of not-great kings, Cheskiah was a great one, one of the greatest. Yeshaya went and came to visit him, and Yeshaya and Cheskel had an interesting connection. Um, one of uh, Ch- Cheskiah, you know, didn't have children, didn't get married, and then Yeshaya gave him uh, either his daughter or someone, and then he had a son from him. Even though he had a prophecy that he was going to have a, an evil son, Menasheim, Yeshaya still said Hashem's word that you have to, you have to, um, you have to get married. So they might have been related, they might have been in laws, unsure. But interestingly, anyway, Yeshaya the Navi came to visit Khizgeh the king. What did Yeshaya do? He went and established a Torah Academy at his door, so the Torah scholars would sit and occupy themselves with Torah outside his room, the merit of which would help Khizgeh survive. An early source to learn Davin and pray in the merit and say to Hilim in the merit that someone should really, you know, do better, or, or the Neshama should do better. And also the Nishmas afterwards after 120. So the point is to make sure to learn daven and do good deeds in the merit of the healing of the sick and try to learn with the sick person as well, sort of establishing a base measure by his feet as well. The Gemara points out in Gittin, one sustains poor Gentiles along with poor Jews, you visit sick Gentiles along with sick Jews and buries dead Gentiles along with dead Jews like we pointed out earlier. And Nadarim points out also on 40 that Rav said, don't visit during the first three hours of the day or the last three hours of the day. We don't want him to be diverted from praying for mercy. The first three hours of the day, he's a little relieved. He's feeling a tiny bit better. He needs to get his affairs in order. Last three hours of the day, he's very, very tired. Not good times to visit them. The point being, it's important to reiterate the importance of properly timing the visit. Not when he's too much in pain. Not when he's too inconvenienced. Not when he's too tired or too weak or not when he finally got a tiny bit of energy to actually take care of things, find a good time of day to visit the person. Rashi points out in Beratius when it talks about the lad was sick at Kol Anar when Yishmael was sent away from Abram's house, as per Sarah, as per per really Hashem's word, and Hagar sends away Yishmael to basically die by himself. Not a Judaic trait, not an Abrahamic trait. Obviously, she wasn't meritorious to actually marry into the family of the Jews, especially one of these reasons for this being that she had no compassion at the quote-unquote end of his life, even though he was healed. He was sick, and he was crying out, and it says, Why didn't Hashem listen to the weeping of Hagar? So the article, I believe, explains in the notes and whatnot that Hagar's crying was selfish. I don't want to hear him in pain. I I don't want to hear him crying. You know, if he's in his last moments, shouldn't you be holding him? Shouldn't you be next to him? Instead, you send him away and weep uh, a mile away from him. What kind of selfishness? You you don't want to be troubled with the sound. That's not a Judaic thing. That's not a Judaism kind of way. But Hashem listened to the voice of the lad, the real crying, the real pain of Yishmael. From this, we point out. Rashi points out. We may infer the prayer of a sick person is more effective than the prayer offered by by others for him. It's more readily accepted. Baba Bacha points out, Rav points out, anyone who has a sick person in his home should go to a sage. The sage will ask for mercy on the sick person's behalf, as, as stated in Mishle, that the wrath of a king is as messengers of death, but the wise man will pacify it. Another point to remember, if possible, pray with the person. Have him in mind if you visit Torah sage for blessings. The Rama points out in Mishneh Torah Shabbat, Shabbos is overridden by dangers to life. We execute all the needs of an ill person, a mortal danger, according to the words of an expert physician in that place on Shabbos. When there's a doubt, suffik yesh or not, whether there's a need to profane Shabbos for him or not. Likewise, if one said to profane Shabbos for him, but another physician said don't do it, we still profane the Shabbos for even a doubt about danger to life overrides the Shabbos. Pikuach nefesh. We need to save him. We need to take care of him. We want to choose life. It talks about in the Torah. We have to help him. Rashi points out in Hamayam, <laughs> yishmal went through all the water. I believe it was yishmal Why? Because of the nature of sick people to drink more. We have to make sure they have enough to drink and eat if they can't hold things down. And they can eat or whatnot. Pesacham points out, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi explained, excuse me, for Rabbi, Rabbi Yosef, the son of Rabbi Yeshua, Levi became ill, was not doing well. When he was ill, he saw a vision, basically. So when he come back to good life, to good health, his father said to him, what did you see? This is a very famous, very fascinating piece. He said, I saw an inverted world. Those above, those who are considered important in this world, in Olam Hazam, were below and significant, uh, while those below, those who are insignificant in this world, Olam Hazem, were above. He said to my son, you have seen a clear world. The world you have seen is the true world, as in that world's people standing befit them. Those who are considered important in this world were below insignificant. But those who are below, those who are insignificant in the world, are above. So the tzaddikim, the chachamim, that the general society doesn't realize are amazing, are really the ones that are amazing in the world to come. And the shmachers, the the people wasting away, the entertainers and the actors who everyone thinks are so amazing, they're really. There's nothing for them really in Olam Haba. You have to have a life based on wonderfulness. You have to have a life that's based on amazingness, Torah, chesed, Mitzvos, And what better time for people to realize this when there's so much pain, so much sadness, so much sickness in the world. And especially a person himself, if he's not well, that's a time for accounting sometimes also. Mishnah Torah points out, there are different people that have to say Todah, that have to say you know, thanks. If a man departs on the sea voyage or goes in a caravan or is in chains or is on the verge of death, having been suddenly overwhelmed by sickness which worsened, his instructions each of the four situations are deemed orders of a man on the verge of death. His words are like a deed written and delivered. And he has to and those are the words that are that are really extant. Those are the words that are listened to. Those are the words that are important. And and we also learn that they're the ones that have to give thanks in general. You know they have to. They have to say uh, a gomel, basically, and it's of the most importance to respect the words, wishes, and requests of those who are ill. Especially if at the end, the main point being of what we mentioned, that their word is key, especially at the end of life. We should never know from such things. Shemoz points out, you serve Hashem right, he'll give you bread and water, he'll remove sickness. You serve Hashem right, Shemoz also points out, doing what's right in his eyes, doing the commandments, keeping his laws, there won't be diseases, there won't be sickness, there won't be bad things. Devar Yaman points out, even Asa, one of the kings, suffered from a foot ailment, but instead of turning to Hashem, he turned to the doctor's. The point being, don't put your faith and trust in the doctors alone or as the primary. Make sure to first talk to and reach out to Hashem. To only really trust and rely on Hashem, realize that the Torah can be the antidote and the prevention. The Brachos points out, Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish says, if one engages in Torah study, suffering stays away from him. And the Rashman points out, diseases caused by drinking polluted waters can be something that's talked about in Shemot. And the point is to think about, don't cause yourself to be sick by eating or drinking gross, non hygienic things. For example, eight-day-old chicken. Don't give it to others, God forbid, either. Or chaim points out in Devarim, different maladies are sent as afflictions by Hashem. The Torah promises we don't fall victim if we keep Hashem's commandments. And brachos points out, there: the, this is the source for the people who must give thanks for the, the hodaah. Some people make a surah soda. Some people say, you have to say gomel. Somebody who is a seafarer, who crosses the sea, comes out. Someone who walks in the desert comes out. Someone who is ill and recovers. We can include people who give birth in this. One who was incarcerated in prison went out. These people have to give thanks. Mishnah Torah points out the Rambam. Someone who doesn't go... And, and take care of his body in the right way. He doesn't keep things in the right way. He's going to have a lot of pain. The strength will, will fade. Someone who eats ravenously, also not healthy. We have to do things that are healthy to avoid sickness. Gemar Shabbat points out all needs of a sick person whose life is not in danger are performed by means of a gentile and shabbos. Choloshein Bosakana. Someone who's not as in danger, life threatening. And it's in accordance with Rav Hamnuna. You have to make sure to take care when there's no danger, but illness, we talk to the guy to try to help us out. Because we need to do what we can to take care of others and ourselves by eating healthy, being healthy, having healthy habits, eating right, exercising, getting enough sleep and the like. And the Gemara Erevin points out, You feel pain in your head, engage in Torah study. You feel pain in your throat, engage in Torah study. You feel pain in your intestines, engage in Torah study. Feel pain in your bones, you know it, engage in Torah study. Because it will be marrow to your bones, Mishle points out. That's the key point, Torah is always the answer. Torah is the elixir. Torah is the cure. We think, oh, it's the the vaccine, it's the shot, it's the medicine, it's the pill, it's the liquid, it's the vitamin C, it's the lemon, it's the grape I had. No, it's the Torah, it's Hashem. That is the cure. That is the elixir. That is the vaccine. That is the solution. It's Torah and really Hashem. Get as much Torah done, even if it is hard for us, even a tiny bit, even if we're not feeling 100%. Get some Torah done. Gemara points out in the Dharam, anyone who visits the ill person, this is the key source, takes the 60th away from his suffering. So the sages point out the obvious. So let 60 people come in, and he'll be healed, and stand him up. Rav Ahabar Henneth said, no, 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 no. It is like the tenths of the school of Rabbi Yudha Nasi, who said that each one of his daughters inherits one-tenth of his possession, meaning each one is just a tiny, tiny fraction. It's not that you send 60 people to be healed, because then obviously... We'd send 60 people to be healed, but that doesn't happen. We could send 60 people who won't be healed. It just means a small fraction. In some way, we're helping them. Gamar Brachos points out, finally, Rabba points out, anyone who can ask for mercy on behalf of another and does not ask is called a sinner. And that's the last point to carry over. We should do whatever we can on behalf of a sick person, arranging meals, items, whatever necessary to enhance their life with their current level of need, pain, and the like. Again, Edder, before we review the points to carry over, God willing, will be back in two weeks. Edder. this time, we'll give you a sneak peek. We're going to talk about music, Blinander, God willing, around Shavuot's time, a little after maybe. But let's just review the points to carry over here on the lecture series with Rev. T. Thanks for joining us and staying with us. Make sure to visit a person when and how it is convenient for him or her in a manner that they feel safe and comfortable with with accounting for their pain and needs. Make sure to realize to visit all sick people, not just friends, not just Jews, especially enemies, quote unquote, as you can help alleviate pain on some small level. Make sure to realize visiting the ill is no fixed measure, but make sure to come when you are wanted, and it's a good time to visit the ill as per their needs and wants. Help in any way you can. Remember, we should endeavor to be like God as much as possible, taking care of the sick as he takes care of us. Even in our turbulent times, make sure to learn, down and do good deeds in the merit of the healing of the sick. Try to learn with a sick person as well, sort of establishing a base measure measures by his feet as well. It's important to reiterate the importance of properly timing the visit, when not when he's too much pain or inconvenience or too early or too late, but a good time of day to visit should be found. If possible, pray with the person. Have him in mind if you visit towards Torah stage for blessings. Don't put faith and trust in the doctors alone or as the primary. Make sure to first talk to and reach out to Hashem. To only really trust and rely on Hashem. Realize Torah can be the antidote and the prevention. It's of the utmost importance to respect the words, wishes, and requests of those who are ill, especially if at the end. Don't cause yourself to be sick by doing crazy things like eating or drinking gross non-hygienic things. Don't give it to others either, God forbid. We need to do what we can to take care of others and ourselves by eating healthy, being healthy, having healthy habits, being safe, and doing things in the right way. Following all guidelines and protocols in general, not just our current times. Eating right, exercising, getting enough sleep and the like. Torah is always the answer. Torah is always the vaccine, the elixir, and the cure. We should get as much Torah done, even if it's hard for us, even a tiny bit, even if not feeling 100%. And we should do whatever we can on behalf of the sick person, arranging meals, items, whatever necessary to enhance their life with their current level of need, pain, and the like. I am Reb T. This has been the Lecture Series with Reb T. Thank you so much for joining us and come back. I'm willing, Blayneder, Amir Tshembley, and in two weeks around Shavuot's summer, a little later where we'll talk another topic procession with some practical lessons here on the Lecture Series with Reb T. And I'm your host, Reb T.